0: But I'm working out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. Welcome in, everybody. We? Episode 670. Yeah. This so, the podcast in the America, the Air Sports Podcast presented by Bad Sports Book. It is Wednesday. February 22nd, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope everybody's ready for a loaded Wednesday episode of the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. You already know what I am talking about today. We will open the wild twist in the Alabama case. If you remember, about a month ago, an Alabama basketball player was charged with murder. The story had been quiet on Tuesday until we got an update, that update, Brandon Miller, the star of Alabama, was the player who provided the gun for the shooting. Nate Oates makes a wild statement at a press conference. He then apologizes for it. So we'll talk about Brandon Miller, Nate Oates, the future of this program, because this is a crazy, crazy, crazy story that isn't going anywhere. And then Tuesday night, we'll react to some college hoops. I mean, listen, it was a busy night in college hoops, so we're going to discuss it all. Quick hitters on Texas A&M beating Tennessee. I actually think the story is Texas A&M, which could quietly win the SEC. I don't know how many people realize that. Marquette puts themselves in position to win the Big East. A couple other scores. Villanova's all of a sudden looking good. And I should mention, by the way, Arkansas. Nick Smith with 26 points. Is Arkansas now in a position to shake some things up in the SEC? But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day I'll just tell you, I don't even think this is the biggest story, topic, story, whatever in college basketball or in college sports. This might be the biggest story in all of sports right now as we have a new update involving a shooting and a murder which involved Alabama basketball player Darius Miles. We're going to get to all the new details in a minute. couple quick kind of things, you know, obviously some new information involving the role of other Alabama players, including star Brandon Miller, a comment from Nate Oates that is shocking in what he said. Uh, But before we get to it, obviously, a couple quick caveats. One, we're going to be talking about a very serious topic here over the next few minutes. Keep that in mind. I don't know who you're listening with or where you're listening, but keep that in mind. And two, I'll just say this, is that um, these details are shocking and whatever and I suspect that this story is going to continue to evolve. I'm recording here about 6.30 Eastern time on Tuesday afternoon. And so because of it, things are going to change. Things could change. Um, and this is an ever-evolving story. So those are the two caveats, but let's get into the details. First of all, the background. I think everybody listening to this probably knows. But January 15th, it was a Sunday evening. I vividly remember. Um we get a news piece of news come across all of our feeds or wherever you consume your, your media that Darius Miles, a basketball player at the University of Alabama, was involved in a murder of a young female, not a student in Alabama. She was visiting campus named Jamia Harris. All we really knew at the time was that Darius Miles was arrested and charged with murder alongside a friend who was not an Alabama student. And so that's all we knew. Those were the updates. That's what we had. We had no real information to go on beside that. And what I would say is this story actually largely kind of, I feel like kind of fell under the radar. We'll talk about more of of all that in a second, But, but I was shocked that this wasn't a bigger story in the moment. Darius Miles had been a reserve on the team. He was out for the season with injury. The school obviously removed him from the team, removed him from school. And as of right now, he is currently in jail awaiting, you know, awaiting the next step of of the criminal process. And so I bring it up because we got some new details thanks to the police investigation on Tuesday afternoon. And when I say that, they're absolutely shocking. I, I mean, they're absolutely shocking. Let's get into what we know, all of the details, et cetera. Because as I said, as of about 24, you know, as of Tuesday morning, when we all woke up, We knew that an Alabama basketball player wasn't was involved with a murder alongside his friend. We didn't really know much more. Well, what we found out on Tuesday was this was that Brandon Miller, Alabama star basketball player, actually was the person who brought the gun to the scene of the crime. This from AL.com. I'll just be uh, very I'll be very, um, you know, I'll just be quick reading what it what came from AL.com. But basically, uh, he brought the gun to the scene of the crime. To Darius Miles and to Michael Davis, the other person involved. The gun was actually in Brandon Miller's car uh when Darius Miles retrieved it. Here's another interesting note that I found, you know, that, that just is interesting from this whole situation is that it was actually Brandon Miller's car and Jaden Bradley, another freshman. It was their two cars that kind of blocked in the car where the shooting happened. So essentially, they blocked the car from leaving the lot that it was in. You would think to allow the actual crime to happen. And then from there, we also found out that Brandon Miller's car had had, had gun uh, gunshots in it. Uh, the windshield was busted, all that good stuff. So what I can't sit here and tell you today, this second, where was Brandon Miller the exact moment the trigger was pulled, this, that, the other thing? But it appears as though he was on the scene of the crime. It appears as though Jaden Bradley was maybe on the scene of the crime as well. At the very least, what we do know, according to police reports, is that Brandon Murray provide Brandon Miller, excuse me, I'm sorry about that. Brandon Miller provided the weapon that was involved in the murder. Let me just tell you, this is really, really, really bad for everybody involved. From Brandon Miller's perspective, and trust me, we're going to get to Nate Oates in a second because he is not absolved in any way, shape, or form from this. But in Brandon Miller's case, this is insane. Okay, so Brandon Miller, for people who do not know, he is the best basketball player on Alabama. He is the best basketball player maybe in the SEC, first team All-American. And for my money, prior to this incident, I believed was going to be at worst a top five pick, maybe a top two, top three pick in the upcoming NBA draft. And so you look at this situation that he finds himself in. This is a best case scenario for Brandon Miller. The best case scenario right now this second is that he provided a weapon, that he actively brought a weapon to a crime scene that was eventually involved in a murder. That is the best case scenario right now. Now, we don't know if it was Brandon Miller's weapon as of right now. We don't know if it was Brandon Miller's weapon, if it was Darius Miles' weapon, and Brandon Miller grabbed it for him. But independent of all that, we know that Brandon Miller brought the weapon to the scene of the crime. That is really, really, really bad. I think, in an absolute best case scenario, Brandon Miller has played his final minute as a member of the Alabama Crimson Tie. That is in the best case scenario because I just, I understand. And we're, again, get to the Nate Oates quote in a second, but I, I, I I, I can't see how Alabama as a university, right? We talked about this and I'm not comparing one to the other, but we talked about it when Chris Beard got fired. You can't have that person representing your university. You can't have Brandon Miller on the court in front of millions of people on ESPN, SEC Network, CBS, and the NCAA tournament representing your university when we now know that he was in some way either passively or actively involved in a murder. You just can't do it. I don't think that he will be playing ever again for Alabama. I don't know if Jaden Bradley will ever be playing again. I think what probably at this point is the more interesting question is whether Brandon Miller is going to be charged with, you know, uh, is going to be brought up on charges for this incident. Now, I'm far from a legal expert, and it is worth noting it is worth noting that. That the police chief or the the chief deputy district attorney Paula Whitley was asked this exact question: Why has Brandon Miller not gotten charged with any crimes? She said, "That's not a question I can answer. There's nothing we can charge him with according to the law." So as of right now, Brandon Miller has not been charged with a crime. As of right now, Brandon Miller is still on the Alabama basketball team. But at the same time, it is worth noting: you go on social media, there are real lawyers tweeting out that according to the law, Brandon Miller can be held accountable for this crime. I'm not a legal expert. I'm not going to you, read you the legal jargon and the legalese of what was said. But essentially, according to Alabama state law, if you, you can be basically held accountable for somebody else's actions if you were involved in a situation where you knew something was essentially about to go down. And so that will be interesting. Is there proof? that Brandon Miller knew that the weapon was going to be used in a crime. That I do not know, that we will find out, but that is going to be the interesting scenario going forward. This is why everybody has lawyers. I'm not a lawyer. Maybe we get one on this show here in the coming days to to sort this all out. But just because Brandon Miller has not been charged with a crime, I don't think it means that for sure he will not be in the future. I think it's also worth noting this. By the way, as far as Brandon Miller and the NBA, I can't even begin to speculate right now this second. Like I said, I think he was on track to be a top three pick in the next NBA draft. I I don't know that we can even answer that question right now. Is he going to be booted from the team? Is he going to be charged with a crime? Even if he's not going to be charged with a crime, what kind of stuff is going to come up on his background? I'm not here to speculate that. I am here to say it's going to be really hard for NBA teams to justify drafting this guy really high in the NBA. Again, I'm just stating facts. I'm trying to stick to the facts. But the bottom line is, again, we talked about it with the Chris Beard stuff, not comparing Chris Beard to a murder on Alabama's campus. But what I am saying is the optics of it, the fact that you're going to have to sell your fan base on bringing this guy into your community. This is all in a best case scenario, by the way, that there are no criminal charges. Not a good day for Brandon Miller, and it very well could have cost him tens of millions of dollars, if not more. Now, let's get to the Nate Oates part of this, because you talk about bad. Nate Oates comes off looking really, really, really bad in all of this. And let me even start by backtracking to the day after the murder. I remember doing the show. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was the Monday of Martin Luther King Day. I remember recording on a Monday morning. And I said, I don't know what this means for Nate Oates. Now, I said at the time, I said, I don't think he's going to be fired. But this was before he signed his extension. And I said, I think this probably precludes him. This probably precludes him from being a candidate for any other head coaching job. Okay, but even at the time I said, I don't think he's going to be fired, but I think he is going to come under fire for allowing this to happen. And I understand that a basketball coach and a football coach and a baseball coach and a gymnastics coach and a softball coach, they can't be held accountable for everything that every person on their team does when they are not with them. I get that. I understand that. And to be blunt, that's one of the unfair things about being a college coach. I've used the example many times, but Barry Switzer, the old Oklahoma coach, has the famous saying of the difference between being a college coach and an NFL coach is that in college, if a, a player if a 22 year old senior does something dumb, it falls on the coach. If at, if you're a pro at 23, same kid is a year older, 23, and as a pro. Bill Belichick doesn't get blamed if his players do something dumb. Uh, Frank Reich, you know, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Greg Popovich, they don't get blamed. But I was stunned that Nate Oates didn't come under more heat when the original story came out, because at the end of the day, he was the guy who brought Darius Miles to campus. Darius Miles committed this crime, and I was stunned that, like, more people just were not on him. But I'll tell you this. They are going to be after what he said on Tuesday. So Nate Oates was asked about this Tuesday. Here is Nate Oates's exact quote about the situation. We've known about this situation since it happened, Oates said. We've been fully cooperating with law enforcement the entire time. The whole situation is sad. The team closed practice with a a prayer for the situation today, knowing that we had this trial today. We think of Jamia and her family, Kane." Really think about her son, Kane, that was left behind. So it's sad. Nate Oates continued. We knew about that. Can't control everything anybody does outside of practice. Nobody knew that was going to happen. College kids are out. Brandon hasn't been in any type of type of trouble, nor is he in any type of trouble in this case. Wrong spot at the wrong time. Woo, we got to talk about that. So first of all, I'm sorry, so I read this quote before it really kind of blew up on social media. Everybody is actually focused on the the, the wrong part of the quote. The part that everybody's focused on is wrong spot at the wrong time. I'm sorry. I'm not here to pick apart everything every human being says. I'm not perfect. I'm sure I've said stuff many times that I wish I could reword or I wish I could take back or whatever. But at the same time, wrong spot, wrong time, when we now know that your star player provided a gun that led to a murder, you can no longer claim it was a one-off. You can no longer claim that Darius Miles was the one bad apple. That No, no, no. This clearly involved other people, including your star player, and you can't say wrong spot at wrong time when somebody's life was lost thanks to a player and players now that you brought to campus. But beyond that, I think people are actually hitting on the wrong part of the quote here. You know what the part of the quote that stands out to me? He said, we knew about the situation since it happened. We knew about that. That is so much more shocking to me. And here's why. Is Nate Oates saying that he knew that not only was one of his players involved in a murder, but that another one of his players provided the weapon and he has been playing that player the whole time and that there are two players, if you include Jaden Bradley, allegedly that were involved in this situation and you've been playing them the whole time. We knew about, this is his exact quote. I'm not accusing anyone of anything. He said, we knew about that. So if you knew about the weapon and you've been playing these guys, that falls flatly on you. And so what happens from here? I have no idea. I will tell you right now. I think a couple of things just said it a minute ago. I don't think Brandon Miller ever plays a minute of Alabama basketball again. I just don't. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I can't see it because even if he isn't charged with a crime, you can't keep trotting him out there because, again, as the season goes on, it's no longer just going to Fayetteville or going to Columbia, Missouri, or going to Lexington, Kentucky. You're going to the SEC tournament where 14 different SEC media uh, media contingents are going to be, and you're going to go to the NCAA tournament. And the NCAA tournament big, brings out bigger and larger outlets at every step of the way. And at some point, it's not just going to be the folks in Tuscaloosa or the folks in Alabama. If this continues, it's going to be ESPN and CNN and Fox News and CBS News and ABC News and whatever. This is so big, and so I don't think I'll, I don't think these guys are playing anymore. From the Nate Oates perspective, listen, I, I I don't think he's getting fired. You know, we had a situation, unfortunately, very similar to this at New Mexico State. Player brought a gun on a team trip. Player in self defense shot somebody and unfortunately killed somebody. The coach didn't get fired until last week when there was a separate incident involving his team. So, could Nate Oates survive this? Possibly, probably. I think he survives. I don't think it's certain, but I think he survives. But again, I think that microscope is going to get that much bigger about why some of these players were on campus to begin with what he knew, when he knew it, and why he didn't act more decisively involving the players that weren't Darius miles for Alabama basketball. Let me just finally say this. This was a dream season. This was a season where I believed Alabama was good enough to win a national championship. I just don't know how you can. I don't know how you can keep blocking out the noise. We've talked about it on this show so many times, but there's so many instances throughout college sports where there's an outside situation where players are asked about it constantly, where coaches are asked about it constantly, and it just wears on you. And so even if we assume that Brandon Miller isn't going to be suspended, Jaden Bradley isn't going to be suspended, that's a lot for 17, 18, 19-year-olds to bear. Now, relatively speaking, relative to what Jamia, fa- Jamia Harris's family has to deal with, that's nothing. But I'm saying from a basketball perspective, I don't know how Alabama can put this to the side, compartmentalize it, and focus on basketball. So we'll keep you updated as things go on. I'm going to effort my buddy Dan Lust, the star legal expert, uh, sports law lawyer, sports law expert, to see if we can get him on the show. But just a shocking twist, a shocking turn in what is now a shocking story. So what we're going to do, take a quick break, come back, react to some of the other news and notes from across, the, from across Tuesday afternoon. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,600 shops in the UK have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos. And what I love about working with Betfred, nobody does more for their customers than Betfred fred does okay i've told you before but i'm gonna keep telling you cincinnati Bengals games that bet fred suite is rocking they had a new year's eve into new year's day party for the launch of sports betting in the state of ohio shout out to all of you who were there obviously beyond that there is the denver broncos vip tailgates we have sent listeners of this show to those tailgates colorado rockies first pitch at those games bet fred does more for their customers than anybody and here is what they are doing For listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast, okay? So what you got to do, bet 50 on any game and new users, how about this? Get up to $1,000 in free bets. There are no catches. There are no gimmicks. Here's what you need to know. Bet 50 on any game. You get automatically $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get $200 insurance on your first five weeks as a Betfred customer. So you decided, hey, I'm going to bet this big game. 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever, you end up losing it. They're going to insure you for that game. So, up to five weeks, up to $200 plus $111 for signing up for Bet Fred today. If you're going to want to do it. Download the Bet Fred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torres sent you. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, the Bet Fred Sportsbook.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: All right, everybody, I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to go ahead and wrap with what was a busy Tuesday night in college hoops. We had, I believe, five matchups of top 25 teams. But before we get to it, it is worth noting, since I recorded that opening segment, as soon as the opening segment went final, you already know exactly what happened, right? Nate Oates released a follow-up statement to the initial statement that he made on Tuesday morning about the situation involving Brandon Miller and Jaden Bradley. So I want to be fair to Nate Oates. He did apologize. Here is what Nate Oates had to say about his initial comments, which included the statement about being in the wrong place at the wrong time, all that good stuff. Here was Nate Oates's follow-up statement. I thought it was important for me to clarify the unfortunate remarks I made earlier. This entire time, I've tried to be thoughtful in my words relative to this tragic incident, and my statements came across poorly. He continues explaining his side of you know Alabama's version of events. We were informed by law enforcement of other student-athletes being in the vicinity, and law enforcement has repeatedly told us, that no other student athletes were suspects. They were witnesses only. Our understanding is that they have all been fully truthful and cooperative. In no way did I intend to downplay the seriousness of this situation or the tragedy of that night. My prayers continue to go out to Jamea Harris's family. And So let me start by saying this. Nate Oates screwed up. Nate Oates said the wrong things. I give NATO's credit for apologizing for what he said. Should have never said what he said to begin with, but I always say it. Listen, I am in the, the talking space. I am in the media space. I say things that I regret. I say things that come out wrong. NATO's apologized. I am not in the business of criticizing people's apologies, right? Like we also had that Tiger Woods incident over the weekend, hands Justin Thomas, the you know what. He apologizes. He shouldn't have apologized. Now that was one Tiger Woods shouldn't have apologized, but I bring it up because he apologized, and people were saying, Oh, that apology is wasn't sincere. I don't care about the sincerity. If you apologize, if you're a big enough man or woman or adult to do that, I'm not going to be here to criticize. But what I will say is I find it kind of shocking that Alabama is not backing down from this stance that Brandon Miller had nothing to do with this at all. The exact quote again from the from the statement from Nate Oates. Law enforcement, uh, we were informed by law enforcement of other student athletes being in the vicinity and law enforcement has repeatedly told us that no other student athletes were suspects, witnesses only. Okay, I get that. But at the same time, what did we learn on Tuesday? We learned that Brandon Miller, your star player, was the one who brought a loaded gun to a scene that eventually resulted in a murder. So I get that he is not a suspect. But that does not mean that according to what came out in court on Tuesday, that he is completely absolved from being involved at all either. He, again, brought the gun to the scene of the crime. The cars were parked in a way to keep the other car from leaving the lot. I'm just sitting here saying I, I, I'm stunned. I'm stunned that this appears to be the line that Alabama is drawing in the sand. And I still do wonder if at some point, you know, they they end up just suspending Brandon Miller indefinitely. Now, it appears that they are going to stick with him, and I guess the thought process maybe is once we suspend him, probably no new information is going to come out, and we're going to have to keep him suspended for the rest of the year. I just find it stunning that, again, this is the the, the decision that Alabama has made, and their defense is that law enforcement has told us that no student athletes are suspects, only witnesses. I don't get it. I'm shocked. I'm stunned. I give Nate Oates a credit for making the initial apology. But like, my goodness, no student athletes were suspects. Yeah, but somebody brought a gun to a crime scene that led to a murder. I'm off it. I'm done. We'll continue to cover this story as it goes on. This one is is a stunner, though. Alabama, again, takes the court on Wednesday. And again, we'll see if Brandon Miller plays in that game. Again, my only thought is I wonder if Alabama feels like once we suspend him, we can't unsuspend him. Let's get to some results from the court on Tuesday night. I understand that anything outside of this situation feels a little bit trivial, but it was a great night of college hoops, five matchups of top 25 opponents. And so what I want to do is just quickly rip through the rest of the games. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on each game. Um, This just feels like the right time to just kind of go three, four, five minutes each quick reaction. Get out of here. Get you guys ready for March. It is coming quick, by the way. We're talking about March is a week away. Absolutely stunning, but let's get into it. Let's start with what was certainly not the prettiest game that was played on Tuesday night, but Tennessee played at Texas AM. Final score, Texas AM win 68 to 63. Um, let me start by saying this. So the Tennessee thing. We have a lot of Tennessee fans that listen to this show. I get your frustration with your team right now. You've lost four or five. Ironically, the only game you've won in that stretch was a home win over the number one ranked team in the country, Alabama. But at the same time It's hard for me to like go all in on Rick Barnes because you are missing two of your most important players. Julian Phillips, a star freshman. Josiah Jordan James, really important senior. And so I get the frustration. I get the anger. But when this team has been at full strength, it has beaten Texas. It has beaten Kansas. I don't even think they were at full strength. And they obviously have the win over Alabama. I'm not saying you shouldn't be frustrated if you're a Tennessee fan. What I am saying is, it just It's hard for me to go all in on Tennessee when you're down two marquee players. From the Texas A&M perspective, let me, let, let me just talk about A&M for a minute. I don't know that we've talked a ton about A&M on this show. They are a really cool story, and Buzz Williams is doing an incredible coaching job with this team. So this was the team last year, remember? SEC tournament, they get really hot late. They make it to the SEC championship game. Ironically, they lose to Tennessee there. And after that, they entered this year with a lot of hype. They lose a couple games early. They were actually at 1.6 and 5 this season, which makes their turnaround that much more incredible. They have now won 15 of 17 in a row, and they are now alone in second place in the SEC and really barring something shocking. They're going to finish second in the SEC. In theory, they could finish. They they could either win it or finish tied for first because they still have Alabama on the schedule. So if they beat Alabama straight up and they don't lose a game the rest of the way, they can, they would be co-SEC champs. I don't think we're giving enough credit to this Texas A&M team. Don't think we're giving enough credit to Buzz Williams either. Listen, Buzz Williams, we talked about it a few episodes ago, but you know, a a coach that builds culture and it takes some time and he's not a one and done guy, but he has done a good job of finding the right transfers with the right returning players. They have two really good guards, Wade Taylor and Boots Radford. Um, added in Dexter Dennis, a kind of wing defensive guy from Wichita State, and also added on top of that, uh, added Julius Marble from Texas A&M, or from Michigan State, excuse me. And if you look at this team, this team is tough, this team is physical, this team plays well late in games. I really think this Texas A&M team is actually built very nicely to have success in the NCAA tournament. Not a team I'd want to see because they're veteran. They know who they are. They have good guards. They're they're experienced. Really like this Texas A&M team. Credit to them. They are now 13-2 and in SEC play. They're going to finish no worse than second place in the league. Let's keep it going. Big East. um, Big matchup in the Big East. Creighton hosting Marquette. And this one got extra interesting for this reason. Creighton was one game behind Marquette in the standings. But then on top of that, earlier in the night, Xavier played uh Villanova. Xavier loses a game. so essentially if if Creighton were to win this game they would be tied for first place in the Big East, they end up losing this game by two as Marquette goes on the road and wins 73 to 71. First of all, there was a questionable foul call late on Ryan Nemhard. It was a foul. There was a hold. it was like worse than James Bradbury at the Super Bowl. It was pretty bad. but Marquette goes on the road and wins this game. I got to tell you, Shaka Smart's doing as good. So, or excuse me, Marquette was picked to finish ninth in the Big East this this season. They now have a one-game lead in the Big East with three games to play. They have an incredibly easy schedule with DePaul at home, Butler on the road, St. John's at home. And then, on top of that, they have taken care of business against everybody all season. And so, you look at a team that's probably going to win the Big East, That is built to win in March. They play great defense. They force a lot of turnovers. All that good stuff. They have a ton of great wins. They beat Baylor in the out-of-conference. They swept Creighton in conference play. They beat Providence. They beat Xavier. They beat UConn. This is a really good team, and I'll give credit to Shaka Smart. That was a guy on this show I used to criticize a ton when he was at Texas. As it turns out, it might have been a Texas thing. He has Marquette rolling. They're probably going to win the Big East regular season title. And with the way they've beaten teams, they're built to win in March. By the way, I know I'm saying everybody's built to win in March. Not everybody's going to do it. Marquette is really good. And they're a really tough matchup with the way they play defense. Staying in the Big East, thought there was another interesting result. I just mentioned it. Villanova winning against Xavier with the loss. Xavier falls two games behind Marquette in the Big East uh, uh, standings. But what was interesting about this one, Villanova has now quietly won four of its last five as they've gotten healthy late in the year. If you remember, Justin Moore was a starter on last year's Final Four team. He gets hurt in the Elite Eight. He just came back the beginning of this month, and Villanova is now 4-1 in its last five. Listen, I saw a lot of stuff on social media. I don't know that I am ready just yet to say that Villanova is back and Villanova's whatever, but... Imagine Villanova right now is in seventh place in the Big East standings. I guess in theory, they could probably finish as high as sixth, probably not much more than that. Imagine getting being the number two seed in the Big East or the three seed, whoever, and you work all year to get the two seed, the three seed, whatever, and now you got to play Villanova. In the, in the Big East Tournament, give me a break. So listen, this is obviously a team. They need to win the Big East Tournament to make the NCAA Tournament, but they're finally healthy. They're playing good ball for their last five. They beat Xavier on Tuesday night. A couple other results that are worth keeping an eye on. One, Kansas State knocks off Baylor. This was on paper the best matchup of the night. It didn't turn out to be that way. I don't know that there's a huge takeaway. Baylor obviously lost to Kansas on Tuesday night. And keep in mind, Baylor, of course, um, stayed in the state of Kansas. And so I do wonder if just being in the state for four or five days, they lose at Kansas on Saturday. I think I might have said they lost on Tuesday. But they lost at Kansas on Saturday. They have to stay in the state. They end up playing Kansas State on the road. They just weren't ready to go. They were up early, but Kansas State ran away with it late. Credit to Kansas State. Baylor in the big picture, I'm not worried. But I will tell you, I, I, I did say, about three, four games ago, I said, I know that they're really good, but the schedule gets really tough down the stretch. It doesn't get any easier. So they just played at Kansas, at Kansas State. Now they get Texas at home. Texas, by the way, won on Tuesday night to improve to 22-6, and 11-4 in the Big 12. Then at Oklahoma State, Iowa State to close the season. So you have Baylor, you, have, you just lost back-to-back games at Kansas, at Kansas State. Now you have three more NCAA tournament teams on the schedule. Before the regular season ends, we'll see how good Baylor is, but they have dropped back-to-back games now. Two more results I want to talk about in the SEC. First one, credit Missouri. Missouri overtime win over Mississippi State. I've talked a lot about Dennis Gates on this show, but so much credit to him. First-year head coach at Missouri. He is going to have this team in the NCAA tournament. This was a great game. Felt almost like a, a a play-in game for the NCAA tournament. You know, sometimes you get in the conference tournaments, you get like an 8-9 game in the first round of a conference tournament, and the winner knows that if they lose, the two teams know if they lose this game, they're probably not making the NCAA tournament. That's what this game felt like as Missouri wins in overtime. It was a great game. Missouri, another team. Play fast, force a lot of turnovers, get a lot of transition points. With the right matchups, they can do damage. I don't know if they will, but with the right matchups, they can do damage. But the fact that they are almost certainly going to the NCAA tournament is a credit to Dennis Gates in year one. Uh, And the final result, I got to mention it. I got to mention. You already know what I'm going to mention. The big pig invasion, baby. Arkansas smacks Georgia. I mean, they obliterated Georgia. They win by, let's take a look here. 97-65 is the final score. So they win by 32 points. But the story in this one, Nick Smith Jr. is back. Nick Smith Jr. has 26 points in this game. I think everybody knows who he is, but this was the guy that was projected top five pick in the preseason, has been hurt for most of this year, played a little bit in December. Then he's been out. He has come back. He comes back. It's an adjustment period. Eric Musselman, the, the coaching staff, trying to figure out how to use him, all that good stuff. He goes for 26 points on Tuesday night. Ricky Council, who has been probably their most consistent player. Ricky Council and Anthony Black, I would say, have been the most consistent players. Ricky Council now coming off the bench like he was early in the year when Arkansas was playing well. He goes for 22 points off the bench. And let me just say, Nick Smith Jr., Ricky Council, Anthony Black, those three with some of the big guys, the Mitchell twins, the way they've been playing, Jalen Graham, the way that they've been playing. Listen, I know, again, we've talked about it before. Everybody says I talk about Arkansas too much. But they're now 19-9. and They're probably going to finish in 6th or 7th place in the SEC. Let me just ask you, is this a team that you would want to see in the SEC tournament? If you're an SEC team, is this the kind of team that you would want to see in the NCAA tournament? If you're a team that's worked all year to get a one, two, three seed and you see Arkansas as a seventh seed in your bracket, I know I would not want to see them. All right. I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron tour sports podcast. Before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody, make sure you are subscribed to the Aaron tour sports podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon music, Google music, by the way, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Sometimes I drop stuff early on there. Drop the Nate Oates, uh, reaction, the Alabama reaction on the YouTube channel earlier today so you make sure to subscribe so you're able to get that ahead of schedule. Make sure to leave a rating and review on on, on, on Apple or Spotify if you can. And make sure you're following on social media. At Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. At Aaron Torres pod on Instagram. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. So with that said, you already know. Shout out to Tori. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Redick. You F Unblock Me, bro. I will be back on Friday. New- oh no, no, no. We may do a special Thursday episode. Dan Lust, sports law expert. Going to try to get him to join me to talk this Brandon Miller stuff. I'll be back probably Thursday with a bonus episode. See everybody then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
1: It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy.